Thanks, Charles. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Fantastic. Good response. Good start. Love it. Love it. Um, With all those announcements, you know what? I'm just going to get straight into it. Is that okay? Straight into the word. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going today. Turn with me. Um, It's a a relatively well-known passage. Uh, If you haven't got your Bibles, we're going to have it up on the screen. But Hebrews chapter 12. And um, just as you're doing that, it's probably good to know about who this letter was written to and why. Uh, We don't know uh, the writer of Hebrews, but we do know that it's written to believers who are losing heart. And uh, these, these Christians don't even know whether it's worth it to keep on going. That's how severe it was. You read their story. Uh, I think it's in chapter 10 you read some of what they were going through. And uh, they, were, they were persecuted. Um, they, they suffered great loss. And they thought, you know what, I just want to throw in the towel. I just want to give up. I don't know if I can keep going. And it's within that context that we read this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. So read with me, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It says run with perseverance. Other translations use the word uh, endurance. Run with endurance the race marked out for us. Then it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There's that word again, endure. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who, what's that word there? Endured. I think we're picking up a theme here. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want to start with an honest question for you to think about today. Have you ever felt yourself growing weary and losing heart? Like you just you, you get up and you know get up in the day and you start doing your thing and then you get on with life and all of a sudden something happens, something comes at you you didn't expect and you thought you know what I love God I'm going to keep moving forward I just pray that I lay it down at the feet of Jesus and you move forward but then it doesn't get resolved. It's like, man, this is not what I, what I expected. But you know what? You keep moving on. And so you pray again. Nothing happens. You pray again. Nothing happens. You pray again and again. And eventually you find yourself growing weary and losing heart. And you think, seriously, how long do I have to endure this? How long do I have to see this one through? Well, this is why this passage today is so, so important for every one of us, obviously for the audience in which it was written, but also for us today, because it speaks into that. This idea of when trial comes, what is it that we need that's going to help us? And, uh, and this is really what the writer of Hebrews is actually saying to these people. I mean, in our passage today, I've just read three verses, just three verses. And in those three verses, there is a word that does pop up three times. And I've just basically... Um, you know, in, in our reading today, I've emphasised it, and that word is endure, endure, endure. The reason why it's repeated is because God wants us to know that this is the key that's going to help you when you go through trial. This is the key that's going to help you lift your head and keep moving forward. It's endurance. Endurance, guys, is so important. Like if we haven't learned the lesson 
of what it means to persevere through trial and through hardship and through challenge, game over. It is that important that we, you know, dig deep, keep moving forward in the grace of God and endure. And this is what the uh, writer of Hebrews is saying to his readers. For example, if you go back to chapter 10, a couple of verses or chapters earlier, uh, he, he says this of the people, he acknowledges their hardship, and then he says from verse 35, it's up on the screen, so do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. As I was preparing this, I thought, I reckon this is for someone here today. Do not throw away your confidence. Many of you are feeling, I've got to throw away my confidence. I don't know if I could do this. God says, no, don't. It's going to be rewarded. In some time, in his way, it's going to be rewarded. Then it says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And then down to verse 39, it says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Church, that's us. You know, we, we, we are the children of God. We are the people of God. We have the Spirit of God in us. We don't belong to people who just retreat, who lay down, who shrink back, who give up. We belong to a God who has overcome, and we are belong to a people who have faith and are saved. We live in the salvation of Jesus. Amen? That's why we need to endure through all circumstances. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about endurance and how important that is because my bet is that there are probably people, some people in this place, you need a little bit of endurance today. And uh, I'm just trusting that God is going to really speak to you. You know, some of you, again, I don't know your story, but some of you are probably carrying burdens that you shouldn't be carrying. You know, it might be a, a physical health issue that you're going through that you haven't quite overcome and it become a burden for you. It might be a, a relational issue going through. It might be a, a mental health issue or work, family, finance, whatever it is. It's a burden that you're carrying. And as you're trying to run this race with perseverance, it's getting heavier and heavier. And you think, I don't know if I can do this. And you're growing weary and you're losing heart. And that's why I am praying that that's your story that today, that God is going to encourage you and he's going to strengthen you uh, through his words. So I'm going to pray. And trust that this will happen. Can we do that? Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are here. We thank you, Lord God, that you have the power to save. And I'm asking, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you will come and you will speak to your people, that you will encourage your people. Whatever anybody is going through today, Lord God, you love them. You know their situation. You want them healed, whole, delivered, and to also see that Jesus, you are everything. In the midst of battle, you are everything. So we're praying this in the name of your son. Amen. Amen. I want to start by telling you a little bit of a bit of my story. When I was 15 years of age, uh, that's when I heard the gospel for the very first time. I mean, talking about Hope Tour um, and going into schools, I had a friend of mine, and when I was in school, he invited me to a Christian youth group. And uh, I came along to this youth group, had a great time, but at the end, uh, one of the leaders shared the gospel like a 10-minute gospel shot at the end of the program and, um, you know, about God loving us, we rebelling against him, God sending his son Jesus to atone for our sins on the cross and he talked about resurrection and you can have this wonderful gift of eternal life and like he's like bang, bang, bang for 10 minutes, he let us have it. I thought this is awesome. I'm listening, I'm hanging on every word because I never heard this before. 
Never. This was the most amazing news I'd ever heard in my life because I never was brought up in a Christian family, never went to church in those early years. God wasn't in the picture. I didn't even know that God existed, to be honest, let alone a God who loved me and created me and knew me. And now I'm hearing this amazing news that God gave his son Jesus for me and I'm listening and I'm like, I am hooked. My mind is buzzing. You know, some of us have been a Christian for a long time. We go, yeah, the cross, yeah, the gospel message, whatever. Hey, it was new to me. And, and I remember leaving that, that program, again, mind buzzing, asking a whole bunch of different questions, like what does this actually mean? And it was at that moment that God put me on a spiritual search. And for the next two years, I was asking question after question. I went to church, at this church that ran the, the youth program. And I went nearly every single week for about two years. I may have missed maybe two, perhaps three Sundays. And I wasn't even saved. And I was in the house and I was asking question after question after question until I annoyed everybody until eventually I said, I've got to do this. I've got to take the plunge. And I gave my life to Jesus and never turned back. Now, how many would agree that that, when someone gives their life to Jesus, that's the most important decision they could ever make? Yeah? Right? Yeah, beautiful. More hands, okay? It's not a trick question. That's, that's true. It's the most amazing decision you could ever make. When someone bows the knee to Jesus, repents of their sin, puts their faith in Jesus, starts walking in relationship with God. Awesome. This is why we do Hope Tour. I mean, there's probably not going to be a lot of altar calls in some of those schools, but I tell you what, God is behind the scenes and He's changing people's hearts because He wants to see people saved. He wants to see people come into relationship with Him. It's the best decision anybody could ever make. But does that mean it's going to be easy? No. Does that mean that you're not going to be without trial? All of a sudden you have Jesus and all of a sudden you don't have any trials? No. In fact, when I became a Christian all those years ago, when I was a young man, I had, it was a weird dynamic going on because in one sense I was super excited you know, I've got a relationship with God, everything's great. I've got, you know, destiny, purpose, I know where I'm going. And yet at the same time, it's like the trials in my life increased and the intensity increased. I don't know if you experienced that, but that's what happened when you decide to follow Jesus. The enemy does not like it. And so I'm experiencing this and, and I'm, I'm asking some questions like, God, seriously? Like, for example, I gave my life to the Lord. It wasn't long after that moment my family started giving me a hard time about this. I remember distinctly sitting around the dinner table, being openly mocked and say, hey, look, Cal has found religion. And my parents were not happy for me. They were very concerned that I was getting a little bit too involved in this God stuff. And they were very, very concerned. And, you know, they didn't understand. I had friends that didn't understand. They rolled their eyes. I thought I lost the plot. You know, they bailed. I had spiritual attack coming at me from all angles I did not expect. Like even now as I'm, I'm talking about it, I can actually imagine, I can see, I can experience those attacks. And I'm there as a 17-year-old, in one sense, super excited about relationship with Jesus. But on the other hand, I am absolutely confused. I'm scratching my head going, seriously, God? Seriously, why are you allowing me to do this? Like, why are you taking me through this. And to be honest, I don't think I fully understand the expectations of following Jesus. You know, I was naive enough to think 
that, hey, you give your life to Jesus, all your problems are going to go away. Seriously, that's what I thought. But you and I both know that that's not how it works, right? Best decision you could ever make, and we're always going to be preaching Jesus, but we've got to be aware that doesn't mean that you're not going to be without trials because we do face trials, we do face challenge. The only difference is that if you're in Christ, you have a new heart, new perspective, and therefore you can actually see or attack the trials, approach the trials in a different way because Christ is in us and Christ overcame the world, therefore we in him can overcome. So it all has to do with perspective, right? It's all got to do with how you see things. And so when you look at the Bible, you've got to ask some questions. How did Jesus do it? When he faced hardship, how did he do it? How did Paul the Apostle do it? When he faced the hardship, or all the other apostles, or the early church, how did they handle the persecution that they went through? I mean, obviously the Hebrews, we, we saw that they were losing heart. But that's why the writer was encouraging them with this perspective to endure. And in fact, this is the perspective that Paul has, and maybe Paul wrote Hebrews, we're not sure. But Paul did give this perspective in 2 Timothy. He says this, he says, You must endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How's that for perspective? Endure. He doesn't say avoid hardship. He doesn't say run away from hardship when things get tough. He doesn't say get on the phone and, and speak to all your friends and complain about all the battles you're going through every day, every night. He doesn't say that. He says endure hardship like a good soldier would endure hardship in the middle of battle. Keep moving forward. That means we don't lay down, guys. This is the church. We are in Christ. We do not lay down. We do not give up. We keep moving forward. That's why we hear the expression soldiering on. <laughs> because a soldier fights. Okay, I said this to Jack because I don't know where she is. Early on today, I'm going to put a soldier reference in there, the army. And so that's why they, a soldier does not go, I'm too tired. I can't do this. No, they're sacrificing. They're in battle. They keep moving forward. And I think this is what Paul's talking about. Endure it, guys. Don't give up. Now, of course, that does not mean that you can't fall to your knees and call out to God and say, God, please, can you help? It doesn't mean that at all. God is a, how many know God is a merciful God? He is a loving God. There are times where he steps into our world and says, I am going to help you through this. I'm going to change the circumstances. Because God sometimes does that. So it doesn't mean that we can't call out. In fact, you look at Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He called out to the Lord on three occasions, right? Remember the thorn in the flesh situation? He's had enough. A messenger of Satan coming to take him out and to torment him. He says, I am done with this. And he called out to the Lord to have it removed. And what did Jesus say in that situation? No, Paul, I'm not going to. I'm not going to, Paul. But you need to know that my grace is sufficient for you. Through every trial, through every hardship, Paul, that you go through, my grace is so sufficient and strong enough to help you endure through every season. So what does that mean for us? Hey, yeah, we can pray to God to come and take it away. Got no problem with that. Matter of fact, it's the first thing that we do half the time, right? <laughs> God, please. Remove this, I'm sick of it. 
So it's totally okay to do that. But if he doesn't, all right, I want to be the bearer of bad news. Sometimes he doesn't. And many of you guys have had answered or had prayer and God just doesn't seem to answer it the way you want. Okay, good. Three people. I reckon it might be more than that, but hey. <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't. But you know what? It's okay. <laughs> if he takes it away, if he helps you, if he changes the situation, awesome, praise God. But if he doesn't, that's okay too. Because God knows where we're at. He's sovereign. He's, he, he knows exactly what's going on. He's loving. He's just. And he gives us the grace that we need to help us endure. His power is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, if you're in Jesus, you cannot lose. All right, keep enduring, guys. Again, I'm saying this to people. If you're, you're in a hard place right now, please don't give up. Don't retreat. Don't shrink back. Keep moving on the grace of God. Really, really important. And don't do it alone. So part of the whole thing about um, endurance is that you don't do it alone because we're all in the race together. Amen? Right? One person falls, you pick them up, you keep moving forward, we run the race. But it's all important that we do endure. Um, if we go back to our text, our key text in Hebrews chapter 12, there are three things that God wants us to know that's going to help us move forward and not give up. All right. The first point there is, it says, look to people of faith as an example to keep going. Look to people of faith as an example to keep going. Because in that verse there, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, anytime you see the word therefore, it's obviously referring to what's been previously communicated. So if you go back the previous chapter, chapter 11, you'll hear the writer talk about the heroes of the faith. There's a long list of the heroes of the faith. They seem to be the clouds of witnesses that he's talking about. All right, the heroes of the faith are the clouds of witnesses. Now, it's interesting that he calls them witnesses because a witness is someone who gives agreement or testimony to something. So like in a court of law, when someone's a witness and takes a stand, they give testimony, right? I remember a number of years ago, I called in to give testimony as a witness to a young man who was associated with our church. I was pastoring at the time there. And uh, this man got into trouble with the law and, and they called me in and they said, hey, can you give testimony? And, and I basically had to do that to the judge and say, look, this man, he's, he's made all the changes possible. He's changed in a different direction. He said he's sorry and he'll, he'll never do that again. And he's, you know, he's got character and all that kind of stuff. I basically gave a testimony of what I've observed in him, what I saw, what I thought. And it's interesting because in the same way, these men and women of faith, in chapter 11 are witnesses in the sense that their lives are written down in the pages of Scripture as living testimonies for us today of what they have experienced and how they have persevered through trial in faith. And that's the point I'm going to talk about in a moment, in faith. Their lives are a living testimony to us of how they persevered because when you look at their story in Hebrews 11, they went through a lot of hardship. Just read it, not, not now. I'm talking. <laughs> now, you know what? It's God's word, mate. That takes priority for anything I say. But, but they went through hardship and yet they persevered. And we look at them and think, wow, 
How did they do it? You know how they did it? Through faith. Faith is the key that helps us move forward. See, these men and women of faith, even though they faced hardship, they saw with the eyes of faith. You know, they were confident of what was ahead, the Scripture was saying. And even though they didn't receive the promise in their lifetime, namely Messiah Jesus, they still saw with the eyes of faith. They saw what was ahead and that empowered them to keep going. Right? Faith caused them to see the goal ahead and that caused them and empowered them to keep going. And in the same way, God is calling us to persevere with that same faith. Yeah? Right? That's what a robust faith does. It helps us persevere. And a faith that is tried and tested will always develop in us perseverance. No one likes their faith being tested. Right? No one likes that. But there's something about a faith that's tested and tried. There's something about that that that's like, you've heard people say it's like a muscle that's grown. It's the same sort of thing. Same principle. A faith is tested and tried, develops in this perseverance that keeps going. And the reason why I know this is because James chapter 1 says this. I love this. It says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. <laughs> so as uncomfortable as it is when we have our faith tested, it's not such a bad thing from God's perspective because that means he's doing something in it, which means your, your circumstances may not change, but something in you does. God's doing something in you. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So guys, if your faith has been tested today, the Bible says take joy because God, the faithful God that we have is using that to produce in you perseverance that will ultimately lead to spiritual maturity. It will ultimately lead to fruit. Okay, again, is it easy? No, it's not easy. To endure is never easy, but growth never is. God is growing something in us. If we allow our faith to be tested and tried and put through the fire, it will stand the test if it's genuine, right? This is what Paul says in first, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter. Right? So allow your faith to be tested. And when it does, God will produce something beautiful in you. It's like the pruning process. <laughs> no one likes being pruned, but you need to be pruned if you want to bear fruit. Yeah. I've got two words here. I'm kind of hesitant to say this because I wanted to throw rocks. But now that I've brought it up, I guess I have to. Um, two words here, don't resist. Don't resist. Again, not saying you can't fall to the, your knees and call out to Jesus to save you. Awesome. But when hardship comes your way, Second Timothy, endure it. If you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to grow in faith, if you want to produce fruit, endure faith. <laughs> Don't run away as fast as you can in the opposite direction. Take it head on in the grace of God and say, God, I'm going to ask you to use this trial to do something in me, so all for the glory of Jesus and for my good. Yeah. Second thing, let's move along. Second point that he makes that's going to help us move forward and not give up is to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And when we throw those things off, 
then we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us, the Scripture says. Throw them off. If we don't throw them off, they become burdens and then they become heavy and you can't run the race strongly. You can't finish strong. So we've got to throw off those things. But what are those things? He mentions two things that I think are interesting. He says, throw off all that hinders and the sin that entangles. So he makes a distinction there, which to me tells me that there are things in your life that may not be necessarily sin, but they can still hinder you. Think about it. Like when disappointment comes your way, right? Disappointment's real. It's part of life. I wouldn't come out and say, well, you're disappointed you are sinning before a holy God. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't rebuke you because you are disappointed in something. I would get down the trenches and I would help you move forward. So in that sense, it's not as if you're sinning, but if you don't deal with it in an appropriate Christ-like way, then even that can hinder us. Yeah? Or hurt and offence. When someone says something to you and wounds you, you haven't sinned, they have. But if you don't deal with it, even that can hinder your walk and your race. Or distractions, hello. (laughs) There are many distractions in our lives, little distractions here and there. And those things may not in and of themselves be bad But if we pay too much attention to them and we take our eyes off the goal that's ahead, guess what? Those things can hinder us in our walk with God as we're running the race. So the writer here says, throw off everything that hinders. If there's something, anything that's getting in the way of you going wholeheartedly after Jesus, get rid of it, throw it off. Don't get distracted. God wants your full devotion and full attention. Throw off those things. And then it says throw off the sin that entangles. You know, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ who get easily tripped up by certain behaviours, sins, habits, mindsets, constantly trip them up. And they go back to the same things. There's a scripture, there's a, a proverb that says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. How many times do we do that? Go back to the same things over. You think we learned the lesson, but no, we go back to the same things. Sin trips us up. And that's why we need to throw it off. And that that phrase, throw it off, for me, is code for repent. Ouch, that word repent. You know, it's not an ugly word. Just so you know, it's in the Bible and it's actually a gift. It says repentance is a gift. So if there's sin in your life, especially if it keeps tripping you up over and over again, repent. Right? Repent from it. Say, I'm done with it. I'm going to change my life from here on end. Don't allow it to continue to trip you up. And don't, don't just confess either. Repent. Because you know what? You can confess. Someone can confess but not necessarily repent. Someone can go to God and say, God, I am so deeply sorry. And they acknowledge their guilt before God and they say, Lord, I want your forgiveness. I'm sorry, I won't do that again. And the Bible actually says that he will forgive you. First John 1, 9, he will. God is faithful and just and he'll forgive you of your sin and purify you from all unrighteousness. So if you confess your sin before God, fantastic. God will forgive you. 
But confession needs to be coupled with repentance. Because if you confess but you don't repent, that is you don't change your lifestyle, then you may be at risk of being like that dog, of going back to that same thing over and over again. And that's when people feel worn out and go, oh, I'm always making the same mistake. I'm never going to get over this. This is my lot in life. I'm done. I'm checking out. Right? That's, that's, why, that's what happens to so many people. I can't shrug it. I keep going back to the same stupid mindsets and what I say and what I do and I'm done. That's why it's important that we need to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles so we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Third and final point. It's going to help us persevere and never give up. And this sounds a little cliche. I wouldn't say cheesy because it is scriptural and I don't want to insult God. But it is cliche because I think people throw this around. But at the same time, I cannot think of anything more important than this. What's going to help you persevere is that fix your eyes on Jesus. You feeling discouraged? Fix your eyes on Jesus. You feeling overwhelmed? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on the problem. Don't look around you for ways of escape. You fix your eyes on Jesus. Because if you go back to our text, it says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the one key that's going to help us uh, through every trial, endure through every trial, is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Do not take your eyes off him for a second. Do not take your heart, your mind, your soul, anything off Jesus. He is your hope. He is your saviour. He is the only way through. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to him. And don't just look to him as saviour. Don't just look to him as creator, author of all things, creator of all things, sustainer of life, which he is. But look to him as your inspiration and your model example of what it means for somebody to go through trials as he did. And yet he did not give up. He did not endure. He went right to the end. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He never gave up on you. We don't want to give up on him. I mean, think about it. Jesus knew what he was going to face going to the cross. He did. The floggings, the beatings, the torture, the abandonment. He knew all that was going to happen. The the Bible says he sweat drops of blood just thinking about it. And yet he endured right to the end. He went to the cross and never gave up. How was he able to do that? Think about it. How was he able to do that? It's because he set his eyes on what was ahead. It says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. It was for the joy. What is the joy? It was the joy of what the cross would accomplish. And that is the salvation of our souls. Church, he endured not for himself. He endured for us. Isn't that good news? Jesus never gave up. See, he, he knew that the only way we'd be forgiven, eternally saved, restored back to the Father, is by way of the cross. 
Therefore, he did not take his eyes off the goal for one second. And in the same way, we fix our eyes on what is ahead. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We consider Him who endured for us so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. In a moment, I'm going to ask the rest of the band to come up. But before they do, let me ask this question. I'm all about reflection because I want to see life change. Right? You know a little bit of my heart here. I love Jesus. I love the church. I want to see people's change for the glory of God. My question is this. Where are you fixing your eyes? When you endure, oh, maybe I shouldn't use that word endure. When you face hardship, when you face trials, whatever it is for you, where are you fixing your eyes? Are you the sort of person to kind of like drop your shoulders, lower your head, look to the ground, fix your eyes there in defeat? Like I can't keep going this anymore. Or do you fix your eyes on the problem? Always thinking about the problem, always analysing the problem to the point where the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger and in your own mind, God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Instead of you overcoming the problem, the problem overcomes you. Is that where you put your eyes? Is that where you fix your eyes on the problem? Do you fix your eyes on worldly things as means of escape? When things get a little tough, I'm checking out, so I'm going to run and I'm going to pursue and indulge in things of this world, thinking that, hey, that's going to bring me comfort, isn't it? How many know it never works that way? It's a deception. And we can't fall into that deception. It's only going to lead to more despair and more hopelessness and more brokenness. Where do you fix your eyes? Because my Bible tells me that what's going to help us run this race with perseverance and never give up, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him, the author and perfecter of faith. If we can get the rest of the band to come up, because we're going to have a... uh, bit of a ministry worship time in a moment where we can fix our eyes on Him. But as they do that, some of you here, some of you here might be thinking, Cal, I know what you're saying. I I hear what you're saying, but it's just too hard. You know, I've looked at people of faith to keep going. I looked at people like Charles, who's got full of energy and excitement. He loves Jesus. And yes, he has energy and a lot of excitement, doesn't he, April? But geez, we love Charles. He is awesome. He is a great man of God. But we look to people of faith. How do they do it? And you think it's not working. You try to throw off everything that hinders the sin. You try to repent. You try to confess. It's not working. You try to fix your eyes on Jesus, but you're getting weighed down by the burdens. For some reason, they're just not going away. And you're thinking, I I don't know if I can do this. Hey, I get that. I totally get that. I understand that. Enduring is not easy. It's a hard slog sometimes, yeah? It's not a walk in the park. It requires courage. It requires sacrifice. It requires commitment. That's what it means to endure through all situations. So I get it. I understand. But do you know what's more important? God understands. 
can't say any other clearer, clearer than that. God understands. And I think we need to really grab hold of this truth, guys. Church, we need to understand this truth because we have the temptation sometimes that when life gets tough, we think, you know what? God's checked out. God does not care. He's let me go through this. He doesn't love me. But you know what? That could not be the furthest thing from the truth. God so loves you and He understands. And the reason why He understands is this verse I'm going to give you right now. In Hebrews, same book, I hope this speaks to you. It speaks of Jesus and it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The reason why Jesus can empathise with our weakness is because He knows what it means to have trials. Jesus knows what it means to have temptation aggressively come against Him. Jesus knows what it means to be abandoned by the people closest to Him in the time of His greatest need. Jesus knows what it means to have enemies come against Him and scoff Him and mock Him and beat Him and torture Him and nail Him to a cross. Even as a dying man on the cross, they still mocked Him. Jesus encountered all that, but guess what? He didn't give up, never gave up. He endured right to the end. He says He was tempted like us, but did not sin. In other words, He was completely obedient to the Father. He kept His eyes on the cross and He just kept going. And the same grace, and I'll finish with this statement before we sing. The same grace that was on Jesus all the way to the cross that made Him endure is the same grace on you. The Bible says the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you and me. So God's given us His grace to endure. He's given us His Spirit to overcome. He lives in us. So don't think for a second that God doesn't care. He does. But He's also given you everything you need to endure. He's given you His grace and He's given you His Son, not just as an example, but as the life that we live or lives in us. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. But, who knows the second part of that verse? It's pretty good. Yeah. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That tells me if Jesus has overcome the world and He's in me and I'm in Him, as the Scripture says, then it doesn't matter whatever the world throws at me will not overcome me because I'm in Christ. It's in Jesus' Name that I overcome. And I'm not just throwing that as a statement. Sometimes we do that. I'm an overcomer, I'm an overcomer, but deep down we've got doubts. We're not going there. We're believing what the Scripture says. Jesus is in us and we're in Him and He gives us the grace that we need. So this is what I want to uh, do for the next moments. Thank you for your patience, guys. And get a little bit carried away. Um, We're going to (laughs) worship. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus.